Well, good morning. Thank you for that. Uh, that was some awesome singing right there. You know, um, God is really good. Um, I would tell you that if you are not involved in a Sunday school class, you need to be. Um, I would tell you that I normally teach, and today I did not teach because I'm up here today, and Mel taught, and it was outstanding. It just fed one's heart. We need that as a congregation. We need that for each other, and you need it for you. My name is Al Hicks. I'm not the pastor here, so for those of you on TV or on YouTube or whatever the technology is, I am not the pastor. Uh, He'll be back here next week. But I have been a member here for, I think, 36 years, so I'm one of the old people, if you will. And I have uh, been teaching Bible studies for about 30 years during that time. Um, I am not qualified on my own to do much, but it is a spiritual gift that God has given me. And today we're going to talk more about spiritual gifts. I do want to follow up on Chad's message from a few weeks ago. And I would tell you this is really a rubber meets the road message. Let's open in prayer. Oh Lord, we're grateful for who it is that you are. We're grateful, Lord, that you know all, you see all, you are all. Lord, you are the one that created us. And yet somehow, Lord, we start thinking that we're smarter than most and maybe even smarter than you. But Lord, you know and we know that's not right. And Lord, you've given us a provision for everything that we've ever done wrong. And that's your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins. And yet, Lord, he was raised again to give us this hope, this grace, this love. And Lord, as we believe in that raising of our Lord, that now, Lord, as we confess this with our mouth, that the Bible says that you, you save us from our sins. Lord, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you know all that's going on. You know everything that's going on without anybody telling you, without me telling you, without the press telling you. You know it all. Lord, you are in control. I'm grateful for you, that you are. Lord, I'm grateful that I'm not in control. And though sometimes, Lord, we act as if we are. Lord, I, as we go into this message today, I just pray that you work through me, Lord. Have this lesson be yours and not mine. Help us understand exactly what you called us to learn today. your name we pray. Amen. You know, God does have a solution for everything. You know, and when we fail often, and this is really the key to today's lesson, it's not that we didn't know what to do. We just plain and simply didn't do it. Today's lesson is going to help us to understand what we're to do. When Chad, a few weeks ago, talked about spiritual gifts, he talked about those in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start there. So if you want to turn to Romans chapter 12, we'll go there. I'm going to repeat a lot of the same verses that he talked about, and then I'm going to go into others. But we have to be very frank and very clear that spiritual gifts are only given to those that are saved. If you're not saved, no spiritual gift. 
But let me also be clear that what God has given to everybody, whether you're saved or unsaved, and that's one's personality, it is one's talents, and, you know, it's the certain things that we're kind of good at, right? But spiritual gifts come after that moment that we've accepted Jesus Christ in our hearts and we've confessed that with our mouth, right? Then it says the Holy Spirit enters into our heart and then he immediately gives us spiritual gifts. So let's review those spiritual gifts. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I, today I'm going to be reading from the um, New Living Translation. So yours probably will be a little different, but follow along. Romans 12, verse 3, it says, As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God is giving you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. And by the way, we are Christ's body, right? We are all part of his one body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the other. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. I want to stop on that right there. It says that God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. It doesn't say with mediocrity, and it doesn't say poorly. It is well. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's not something you've ever worked for. It's not something you've done. It's what God has given to you. And when you have that, then you can do certain things well. The question is, what is it that you're going to do well? Let's read on. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have the faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, or most translations say mercy, then do it gladly. So why were we given spiritual gifts? Why do we have these? Now I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, I, if I if, hold your your finger in Romans twelve, if you will. If you didn't, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. Now, this is familiar for most people, but we got to make sure it's clear to us. Ephesians two, verse eight says, "God saved you by His special favor. That's grace. When you believed, believe His faith." And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Now this is important. For we, those who are saved, are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good works he planned for us years ago. Now, those good works are then accompanied by spiritual gifts. And if you understand what your spiritual gift is, and you start employing that, you will have works that will 
coincide right with that spiritual gift. And then all of a sudden, it makes this thing just wonderful. You will do things that you would say, I don't even know where I got that. I'm just somehow able to do it. Because it's a gift. It is a spiritual gift that you did not earn. I love this stuff. Now, the list that we read here in Romans is not the complete list. But I will tell you, this is going to be the list that we're focusing on. These are really the, 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 the spiritual gifts that are to really be used inside the church. There's other spiritual gifts, for instance, like discernment and that sort of stuff, discernment of spirit. But that can be used anywhere. This is supposed to be used in the church, for the church, for each other. Right? So there are 12 of those. Now, as I was talking about the, the works and the spiritual gifts, how they work together... There's also another factor in there, and that's your personality. And God gives you your personality, and he's given you a spiritual gift, and then he's given you works to do, and they all work unbelievably well like a fine-tuned clock. And when you do a spiritual gift, you perform that, you employ that, and you work at that, it's amazing what happens. It works like clockwork. And let me have you understand something else. Two people can have the exact same spiritual gift. There's other people in this church that have the gift of teaching. But nobody else in this church has my personality. (laughs) So I will employ the spiritual gift of teaching differently than other people will employ the spiritual gift of teaching. It is unique to us, to me. Right? So when this is all going together then this should be something that is awesome, that is fun, that is rewarding, and is a promise from God. But when we fail to do our spiritual gift, not only are you failing yourself, but you're failing each other and me and God. You're failing everybody. There is no blessing in hiding out. There is none. There is only blessing only promises when we obey and do what God's called us to do. Hmm. Now, Chad talked about a website a couple weeks ago. Brother Jared talked about it today. That website that I want all of you to go to, not right now, that'd be insulting to me, is right here on the left-hand side of your bulletin on the bottom part. The bottom right of the left-hand side. I want you to go to that website. Why do I want you to go to the website? Most people do not know what their spiritual gift is. Most people do not. And there is only an excuse one time for ignorance. But once you know your spiritual gift, you have no excuse whatsoever for not employing it. The Bible says that if you know what you ought to do and don't do it, it is sin. That's James 4.17. I don't want us to sin. I want us to be what? Raised up and honored, right? When we go ahead and do these things, it's awesome. Now, I would also tell you that something that surprised me on that uh, assessment for your spiritual gift was there's also a personality profile that comes right along with it. 
So it automatically takes your personality and your spiritual gift and kind of puts them together. It's really cool. I didn't expect that. Um, I also didn't follow the rules real well. <laughs> yes. So we were, there was an announcement that came out this week, if you, if you're, if you received that from Ginger, that said we want you to go to your spiritual gift and do it. And then there was a part on there that said, um, and then when you're done, send, the email, send it to this email address. I didn't even read down that part. Far. I just read the spiritual gift survey, so I did the spiritual gift survey. Then it came to a point that said, can you put in your pastor's email address? Well, I didn't know what it was because I didn't read the, little, the next line, so I skipped that part. Don't skip that part. That part's important. Okay? So I just found it very, very, very interesting. So um, I urge you to take it. It will take you 15 to 20 minutes. But it's about you. So it's not like, it's not hard. Just take it. I would also tell you some of the questions may seem kind of odd. So answer the questions. I can't help it that they seem odd. Just answer them. So I want to go over with you what came up of my spiritual gifts. You get this nice... Uh, uh, email that comes back, and there are, um, I think there's nine spiritual gifts that we talked about in Romans chapter 12. Most of these are not going to be your spiritual gift, but there's going to be a couple that are. So I had two that stood out. One was teaching. I had 93% out of 100 for teaching. I had 87% uh, for prophecy, meaning forth-telling what the Bible says. The rest were kind of like this. But there was a couple that were really low. And those are really important to know, too. My lowest... This is not a surprise to my family. Is mercy showing. <laughs> I try. That came in at like 15%. So I tell you that because it is very important to know what you're good at and then what you're not. It's called being self-aware. If you know you're not good at something, you probably won't take it on real hard, right? But it's not something we shouldn't improve. What I'm saying is we got to know what our spiritual gifts are and focus on those things first, the things that we score high on, and then go down the list. From there, But I also want to tell you about the personality profile that came out with it. And it said that it, I was, you know, there's like four different personality types in the big scheme of things. And, um, and they, they, they use, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he uses animals to dictate or to kind of explain who it is that you are. And it says, first of all, my personality The personality traits that fit me best are, this is me. One, I'm an extrovert. I'm high risk. I'm a challenger, meaning I'll challenge people, right? I'm people-driven, I'm a leader, and I like variety. Now listen to this. This says that I am like an otter. I am. 
It says, otters are, are very social creatures. Otter personalities love people. They enjoy being popular and influencing and motivating others. It says otters can sometimes be hurt when people do not like them. (laughs) That's not my case. (laughs) Otter personalities usually have lots of friends, but not deep relationships. Shallow Al, right? (laughs) Now listen to this. They love to goof off. They are notorious for messy rooms. Otters like to hurry and finish jobs. Jobs are not often done well, hence my failure to submit the uh, email address. (laughs) The otter personality is like Tigger in Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) But most of you don't have just one strong personality trait. You probably have two. My other one is that of a lion. This personality likes to lead. The lion is good at making decisions and is very goal-oriented. They enjoy challenges, difficult assignments, and opportunity for advancement. Because lions are thinking of the goal, they can step on people to achieve it. My wife, many times have I been relating a conversation to her, she'll say, oh, you can't say that. And I'm like, Too late. (laughs) Lions can be very aggressive and competitive. Lions must learn not to be too bossy or to take charge in other people's affairs. Well, that is me to a T. And so when you marry up that personality with these spiritual gifts, then you will do things, do is to employ the spiritual gift, ways that are different than anybody else will do it. Some of you will be very analytical. That's like the eager beaver, right? You are going to employ the, spirit, the gift of teaching, if you have the same gift that I, I do, way differently than I would do it, right? So I like to have fun. And I try to make things for me fun, even mundane tasks. So when I teach, I tend to have a, a, a bent towards some humor with that, right? That's just how, how I do it. But the question is, did I have some special, you know, designation or some special background in teaching when I started teaching the Bible? Nope. I just started teaching the Bible. I knew a little bit of what it said, but I was called to teach. So teaching, I did. And I'll never forget when I called Jim Downs, uh, actually, that's not true. He called me, and it was part of the nominating committee. And he asked me if I wanted to be an usher. I think I was 29 years old. And I said, oh, sure, I can be an usher. But what I'd really like to do is teach. And it was like dead silent on the other end of the phone. Because most people don't say, hey, I'd like to teach a class. The question is, why not? If you have the spiritual gift of teaching, why would you not want to teach a class? You see, it is a promise, it is a blessing, it is awesome 
when you start doing, start employing your spiritual gift. And by the way, um, the very first class that I taught, this was 30 years ago, was the college and career class. And there was two people in that class that had graduated from seminary. Oh, boy. I didn't know what to do, so I started praying. It became very clear to me immediately that they probably know the Bible better than me, but they don't know the lesson better than me. And that's the whole purpose and premise from which I started to teach, was I will take this lesson, and I will know it well, and then I'll teach it. And that's what I did. And then I would tell you, you know, the way that I was 30 years ago and the way that I taught 30 years ago is not the way that I teach today, right? We all should be growing with God. That's called what? So we have this process of sanctification that we go through that's growing the way that God wants us to grow. But you know what? My personality has changed a little bit too from 30 years ago. I still have the same personality, just more refined. So I don't do things today or say things today that I might have said 30 years ago. But remember, my personality, I'm bold. I've always been bold. I was the kid that always got in trouble for talking at school, right? (laughs) I should tell you something you don't know, right? So, I want to tell you something that I did. And there's reason for me to tell you this. When I came to Green Bay in 1984, I came right out of college, and I took a job with Shopco. I was an area manager. Now, an area manager in Shopco was the lowest management position in the entire uh, corporation. And to progress... There's normally, in the store that I was in, there were seven area managers. We were in charge of a department. And then my immediately, immediate boss was an um, assistant manager. And then above them was the store manager. I, I was really bold. I started working in the store, and the store was not a very good-looking store. The store had kind of compromised standards, and over time, the store just started coming down and looking dirty. I would tell you that uh, the people started employing standards that were not to Shopco standards. Um, The processes weren't to Shopco standards. So Shopco brought in a new store manager, my boss's boss, to really shake things up. This was a guy that was a really, really strong personality. He was a, um, he really drove people. He didn't have any problems yelling at you. He had no problems taking a display that he didn't think looked good and throwing it on the ground. Most of the employees didn't like this guy. They felt like it was an insult for him to come in and change the way that they were doing their work because it was a personal insult from the way that they were doing. Most of the people felt like he didn't care about them. But I really liked this guy, and he yelled at me just as much as he yelled at anybody else. 
So I did something because I thought he needed to lighten up a little bit. I thought he needed to laugh a little more. Because, you know, I'm 22 and I, I really know a lot. So I did what every one of you would have done. I filled his desk with jelly beans. And not only did I fill his desk, I filled his file cabinet, you know, on the sore, everything up. I mean, I had jelly beans everywhere. In fact, I even took his pencil holder and put jelly beans in it. Then I went to the computer. Now, this was just a prank, right? So I went to the computer, and I wrote, Scott did it. And I put that in his desk. Now, remember, this is a high-strung guy. And when I put that in there and shut the drawer and I was going to go home for the night, I came back kind of late and did it, you know. As I put, put that in there, I, I had a fleeting thought that, you know, I hope I don't get fired for this. Nah, nah right? Well, what I did the next morning is I was always the first manager there in the morning, so I got there, and when he came in and went into his office, I kind of snuck in kind of behind him and stood by his door. And I hear... I can hear his drawer open up, and I hear him say, what the? And then silence. And I hear that paper rattle. And then he booms. Hicks, get in here. So I, with a straight face and yet a cheerful attitude, came in and said, hi, Mr. Ferris. Mr. Ferris wasn't his name. Hi, Mr. Ferris, how are you today? Yeah, don't give me that. He said, you got 10 minutes to clean up my desk. So I said, well, what's wrong with your desk? I was going to play along, right? Well, anyway, he says something that was very interesting to me. He said, you know, Hicks, I did my research on all you guys. And see, I'd forgotten something. When I was hired for ShopGo, I had to do, go through all these assessment tests. One of them was a personality test. And it said in there that I was really bold. And he said, I did my homework on you, and you're the only one in this whole entire management team at this store that has the boldness to do this. Well, now I'm caught. <laughs> yes, sir. And so he says, clean out my desk. Now, and I would tell you he's mad. And now my heart's pounding like, I might really be in trouble here. But then he does something that was pretty cool. He kind of sits back. He starts to chuckle. And he says, you know, wait till I tell my boss this. This is hilarious. But clean it out. (laughs) I wouldn't do that today, right? But I did it then. I'm telling you this for a reason, right? So as we go back... And we look at God's design. God designed each one of us differently than he designed anybody else. We are unique to God, but we are all formed in God's image. So he gave me this personality to do things that most of you wouldn't do, right? But I would do, right? And so he, we have to understand that each one of us is different, but we also have to mature as we go along. God expects us to get better, to refine to change. But God doesn't change. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. But do you realize that God has you right where he wants you right now? Hmm. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your experiences. He knows your inexperiences. He knows it all. He wants you to serve and work in the local uh, assembly. That's us, right? By exercising your spiritual gift. Now hold your finger in Romans. And I want to turn now to uh, 2 Timothy 3. And I want us to read verses 16 and 17 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. This is such a great verse. wants us first to realize what's true and then point out those things that are wrong. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Now listen to this in verse 17. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good work God wants you to do. So when I was 29 years old and I started to teach, I was fully equipped to teach that class. I didn't feel like I was fully equipped but I was fully equipped. And the more you progress, you're more than fully equipped to take something more on, right? So God, he doesn't just say, you know, I'm going to give you the spiritual gift and you're going to have to really work for it. It's not anything that's earned. It is a gift. It is a blessing. It is a promise. So if here we are in Highland Crest Baptist Church, how are we going to know what our spiritual gift is? Number one, we pray about it. We ask God, Right? I said this before, but James 1.5 says, if you want wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will surely tell you, and he will not resent your asking. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, take the profile. If you don't take the profile, do you know what you're saying, and you don't know? I just don't know what it is. What you're really saying is, I don't want to know what it is. This is for believers. God gave you that spiritual gift and he expects you to know what it is. Take the profile. After you take the profile, I would tell you to pray more. Just as Jared says, sometimes you look at this stuff and you look at it, is this really me? If you're truthful with yourself, the answer is almost always yeah. That's what it is. Then number four is to start serving. This step, when you start to serve, is the part that requires faith. The first two, when you're praying for what, want to know what God wants you to do, and taking a profile, is nothing more than knowledge. It's knowledge. We all want knowledge. God asks us to walk on faith. He wants us to work on faith. So this next step is the step of faith. Let's back up a minute. 
Go back now to Romans chapter 12. And I want you to take a minute. Let's go through those again. In verse 6, one of the spiritual gifts is prophecy. I'm not going to spend a lot. I'm not going to spend any time on what these are. The next one is the gift of serving others. The next one is to be a teacher. The next one is encourager. The next one is the spiritual gift of giving. The next one is leadership. And the next one is showing mercy. One of the things that I think it's very important that you do is you look at that list and point out one or two that might interest you. It is amazing to me how it is that God gives us a spiritual gift, and when you employ it, you like doing it. That is amazing. So look at the list, and if there's one or two that you think you might like to do, just keep that in your brain. But also go to the list and look at the ones that you aren't. Remember what I said, I'm not a mercy shower. That's important to know. Why is that important to know? Let me give you an example. When my daughter uh, decided to start her uh, looking for colleges from where to attend, she, um, we went to University of North Dakota. As we went there, we went through the entire visit, and it was okay for her. But we got in the car, and she said something to me that was pretty amazing. She said, you know, I don't think I like this school, and I'm sorry I wasted your time. I said, oh, honey, you didn't waste my time, because now we get to check that one off, that we're not going to go there, and we're one trip closer to finding out where it is that you're going to go. So not knowing what it is that you're to do is helpful, right? We need to know those things. We need to know what it is that we're to do, but we're also supposed to know and have an understanding, you know, I'm not really good at that. You realize, right, that when you employ your spiritual gift, there is a blessing that comes from God. There's a promise of a blessing that comes. And if you're doing somebody else's spiritual gift that is not yours, do you realize you might be robbing them of their blessing? We tend to think of duty, and duty is important. But if everybody had a duty to do their spiritual gift and then do the work, my goodness, there's people be working everywhere. Do you realize the satisfaction that comes, the blessing that comes from doing, performing, employing your spiritual gift? It's phenomenal. If everybody had that blessing, everybody would be working more. But you know, there's an old 80-20 rule, right? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And that's true in churches, it's true in corporations, etc. But why is that true in a church? Why is that true here? Because we don't want to know what our spiritual gift is. We don't want to take the step to, to, in faith to do the work. And then what we're really saying, too, is we don't want the blessing. Man, what if the God blessed you with the, the, your heart's desire, but you missed out on it because you didn't know? Hmm. Duty's important, but obeying is more important. You know, I would tell you, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, by the way, there's so many places to serve in this church, it's phenomenal, right? You can, there's all different kinds of 
Sunday school teachers, whether it's and Sunday, there's positions inside each one of those classes for adults, for children, for youth. There's, you know, there's maintenance that goes on with this building and grounds. People got to do the work. There is administrative work. There's a personnel committee. There's a finance committee. Oh my goodness, name it. It goes on and on and on. There's just a ton of work to be done here. And if people are doing it that are joyful, you know how much more fun it is for everybody else to do it? It's phenomenal, right? So, but I would say this. If you know, you, you look at the list and you say, nothing really st- sticks out to me. Here's the answer. Try something. Try something. You know, <laughs> this is really funny. Um, a long time ago, Sally signed us up to work just one Sunday a month. I think it was in the ones and twos. Just during the worship hour. Just one Sunday a month. So we went in there. And you know what ones and twos do. They cry and they poop. And I'm a mercy shower. So this little kid starts crying. Sally picks him up, and she starts nurturing him. And then another kid had started crying, and she moves over to him. And, and then, you know, I'm just kind of screwing around with the kids. And, um, and, Sally, and more kids started crying, and Sally kind of tries to get their attention. And he goes, who wants a treat? Well, the kids look up, you know. And I'm thinking, a treat? They're crying. We don't want to reward bad behavior. Because I'm a mercy shower. So they get their treat. And a little while later, you know, there's like four or five of them just crying in there. So I said, hey, 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 hey. And they all looked at me and I go, no whining or crying. And it was like the Red Sea parted. And they all stopped for like five seconds. And then the floodgates came back on and they all started crying. Even the ones that weren't crying started crying. So I was like, oh boy, Al, you got, you got to get out of here, right? I learned immediately right there, that wasn't my gift. You will know if it's not your gift. You will not enjoy it. It doesn't feel like there's a blessing there. But that's important to know because you know what I did? I had great appreciation for the people that were there that loved it. I went, oh, man, we need more of you guys, not me. It's pretty awesome, right? You see, God has work for you. He's got work for me. We need, I need you to act and exercise your spiritual gift. You need me and everybody else to act on our spiritual gifts. You know, this is an individual thing. This is not a corporate thing. Because each individual that is saved has a spiritual gift. So God takes these ordinary people of which we are, right? He saves them. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Then he gives us spiritual gifts. Then together, we get to do extraordinary things through Christ. Not me, through him. And what a blessing and a promise that is. So no, none of us can do this alone. You know, you think of, what, what does our church look like for most people? Most people think of Chad. Well, he can't do it alone. 
right? If Sunday school teachers can't do it. They see Scott up here. He can't do it alone, right? We need each other, and each other needs each other. <laughs> it's pretty simple. We need to, to do it, right? So let me read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. When I saw what these people that did in the ones and twos, and they loved it, then I saw people that were in the nursery, and I saw people in like the threes and fours, and then in the grade school, and in the teen stuff, the youth stuff. I don't have the spiritual gift to teach those people. I have the spiritual gift to teach adults. But I was amazed how it is that God gives somebody the spiritual gift of teaching, but also to teach certain things. It's awesome. So this verse is very important because we need to love one another. Love one another in this church, in this assembly right here, here at Highland Crest. It says, think of ways to encourage, some say motivate, some say spur one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. You know, we have, this is an assembly of believers. We're not to forsake that. And it's hard with COVID. But you know what? One of these days it's all going to be done. My fear is that people are going to just stay at home because we've made them used to being able to stay at home. We need everybody back here. We need everybody back here to, to what? Assemble with the believers, right? And then, then we get to experience God's what? His spiritual gifts and how people are and what the things that they can do. And we get to rejoice with you, and then we get to spur each other on to do more good works. Exercising your spiritual gift through God is a blessing. It's joyful. It is a promise. Fawn, if you'd come. I'm going to finish with one more verse, and then we're going to pray. But the verse I want to, the verses I want to read, Second Peter, one five through seven. Verse five says, "So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises." Remember, spiritual gifts are promise from God. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Knowing God better leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. And patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, you will have genuine love for everyone else. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I, I love you. I'm, I'm grateful for how you are. I'm, I'm grateful that you've made a provision for everything. Lord, your promises are unequaled. But not only your promises unequaled, Lord, you, you fulfill them. You are a promise keeper, Lord. And I just pray that as we move from here, Lord, that we have a desire to do what it is that you've called us to do. And Lord, I just pray that and we thank you for these spiritual gifts, Lord. 
And Lord, we just ask now that you help us to employ them. Oh God, you are great. In your name we pray. Amen.